If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very, very warm, or should we say slightly warm morning <laughs> to yes. you. Good morning. There's certainly a chill in the air now that autumn is here. <laughs> and of course, somebody who sounds very happy about it being awesome oh. sitting in the studio with me right now is Carrie Goodwin from Life as a Garden. And yeah, we, we have had this discussion before. Yeah. Over the years, I feel winter coming and immediately I get sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Okay. It is an actual thing. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> don't like cold at all. I don't like the fact that the light changes color. It's no longer golden and full and robust. It becomes this anemic kind of white nuclear blast looking light. I don't like it. I would it. have thought it looked crisp. In winter, everything looks crisp. It just looks compared dingy. Compared to that golden glow. <laughs> it, looks, it looks brown and dusty and dingy. You need to put on my rose-tinted sunglasses. This is what I love about talking to you, that. okay? I love talking to you because you do have rose-tinted sunglasses on or glasses. Yeah. And I, I actually have bought a pair to take on my walks with you in the morning. But it is still lovely walking down, yes. in, especially at the moment, on the Sprite and various places. And it's early this year, but the fields of Cosmos are starting to come into their own absolutely yeah. glorious and I'm looking oh. forward to the fact that I'm going for a little trip and I'm not taking the highway I'm going down through the free state oh beautiful and I'm can taking the B roads <gasps> so we can stop and do more cosmos pictures because yes. it is that time of year when you do it and you look at this and you're like, oh my goodness it's so beautiful yeah. I really love this I was going to say we've just come back from northern Kruger and driving through the little towns and you know it's just a road trip is so special. There's just so much to see. And what was amazing for me, one of the things that Life as a Garden was speaking about was topiaries, mm. which, I, you know, some people love and some people don't love. And it depends on your type of garden. And I kind of thought they'd gone out of fashion. But we seem to have more and more people who are asking for structured, pruned, neatly cut plants. And then we were driving through, as I say, these little towns, and I couldn't believe the amount of topiaries that we saw from the Durantas and the Syzygiums. And I'm like, what? How do these towns manage to do topiaries so beautiful when they, you know, out of town, for want of a better word. Well, I mean, we, we haven't been able to do much in the else in the last two years, I suppose. You get out in the garden and I get frustrated. I'll take on all my frustration on this poor plant. I do. I feel very sorry for plants that have been topiaried within an inch of their lives. Oh, no, but these were like classic. Like somebody had turned their Duranta hedge into like a bench, made it look like a bench. And somebody else had turned one into what looked like a swan. Mm. And I said these were in rural areas. It wasn't even... In the middle of the city where I guess you, your garden is always a showcase for someone, but there you don't have walls and there's just fences. And so it's easy to sneak into people's garden and see what's going yeah. on, you know, and it, it, it is a thing of, it. of the creativity and gardening is about mm. creativity and it is yeah. of, of different ways. And, and one of my favorite things is when I'm in London is uh, my friend lives in Kingston, just outside Kingston and Thames. Yeah. So between Richmond and Kingston in Ham, but you take, you take the, um, the tube, you get off and then you, you get onto a bus at Richmond and then you come through it, but you've got to sit on the top of the double decker bus. 
Because as you're going past, there's this one place which apparently Johnny Depp stayed at when he was in his Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) Remember Edward Scissorhands (laughs) when he's topiarizing? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And you go past this house and it's got two life-size elephants made in topiaries. So I don't know if it's just um, an apocryphal tale or if he actually did stay in that particular house. Apparently he did. Uh, And you can see it from from the top of the double-decker bus behind these walls, which is lovely to see. Yeah. But... I ain't got time for that. I like the wild and wooliness. I mean, you know, Me chaos too. theory gardening, having things just growing in wild abundance and seeing yeah. the bees so happy. I always find oh, that a, a sterile yes. garden, a, formal gardens are, are for me very sterile gardens. I think we're, and I think it's going back to, we were talking about your book is how you've got so many different varieties of gardens in the book. And it's what people choose to be their interpretation of their gardens. Mm. So I also quite like a wild garden. And, um, one of the things life as a garden was talking about is grasses. So I tried to plant a little bit of a formal garden, but it obviously is not my style. It's not working very well at all. So I'm going to pull it all out and I'm going to create a nice wild garden with a few aloe cuperi for the bees. Mm. So, you know, to put in a few flowering plants as well, so that at least it um, has some color, because <laughs> that's very important to me. Green is a color. <laughs> no. <laughs> green is a color. Don't say green. Green is a lovely color. It's calming and soothing. And The hue, what's it, hues of green might be a color, but as a whole, <laughs> green is, no, color is yellow, especially going into autumn and winter, you've got all those yellows and oranges and reds that are going to start, you know, with the leaves changing now. Yeah, the liquid um, amber and the, the pin oaks and things are looking yes, fabulous. But even our indigenous, like the Celtus Africana, you know, they're just starting, they've got that green and yellow. Mm, they almost mm. look like Bafana Bafana colors. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. that's what it is. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I, I, I like is that we each have our own style of garden. And maybe when people start gardening, that's what they actually have to look at is what style of garden do they want? What What is going to be representative of their personality? And like you said earlier, their creativity. Mm. And your good is a, your book is a good way to start looking through and see different things that people can do in their gardens. By the way, you don't know. shameless self um, plug. No, no, it's, just, no I, <laughs> it's called Garden Style by Melanie Walker and Connell Oosterbrook. In case you're looking for it, and you can always get hold of me as well, and I will make sure that you can get a copy. Okay, so <laughs> I have lots of them at home because I bought a whole bunch because I was going to be doing all these garden talks, and of course we went into lockdown, <sighs> so I, I ended up buying all of these books which are just sitting at home. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, it is about that, and it is about. Finding a style that that talks to you that you feel comfortable in. I mean, you may yeah. have a very formal garden, but you're a tropical kind of girl. So that's really not going to be working for you. Yes. But there's nothing wrong with actually redoing the entire garden. Well, I was saying to somebody the other day, which I thought was quite a good analogy, is how when you look at your, you know, we decorate our house mm. and you buy certain things that are going to last a lifetime. And then you're going to buy certain things like your scatter cushions, which maybe you change seasonally or annually or whatever it is. And I think you have to look at your garden the same way. So, you know, when you plant your trees, those are going to be like your furniture and your dining room table. And those things that are going to be the backbone of your home or garden Mm. but then the little things like the annuals that you maybe put in and the perennials that you put in they are like the scatter cushions you know you can change them as you want as you feel necessary when you plant seeds you know a lot of the seeds are also again annuals or maybe a few perennials Mm. so they're just there for a while and And, and bulbs when the bulbs suddenly come through then you change it so yeah those are just the accessories but getting the bones right is the most important thing so if you're not somebody who likes topiaries 
No. <laughs> then then gift them to somebody else and put in what you like. But talking about green and shades of green, mm. um, we are, we are. if you're listening to this before the 26th of March 2022, <laughs> of course, going to have Earth Hour. And it's an international <gasps> so thing on the 26th of March from 8.30 South African time in the evening. Yeah. Now, we all know from Earth Hour <laughs> when it started in 2007, I mean, I, I remember being in uh, at Kirstenbosch. I was in Cape Town for Earth Hour, and I know that everything, everybody there in Cape Town turned everything off. Yes. Which was great. It just suddenly went dark for an hour, oh, which was great. It gives me goosebumps. And I loved it. Yes, and, yeah. but I mean, there's so many people who are just completely unaware and, and don't know how to be environmentally friendly. But turning, look, I mean, in South Africa, <laughs> load shedding is like, well, whatever. We turn our lights off all the time. Okay. It's not a big deal for us. Yeah. So it's more about switching on or yeah. being switched on than switching off. Although yeah. you can turn your lights off, turn your phones off, get away from all of that stuff and, and really contemplate what is going on in the world when it comes to climate change. Look, I'm, I, yeah. I'm a firm believer that even if humans weren't here, this kind of stuff would be happening. I think we've just exacerbated it and sped it up a bit. Yeah. But it would still be happening in, in, in any, I'll get that right. In <laughs> any case. So, um, I know that in news the last week or so is the fact that the temperatures at the poles have been like way up. So yes, there yeah. are things that are happening, but would they still have been happening if it wasn't, you know, if it hadn't been people yes. around? Yeah. Let's put it that way. And I was reading like in California and in the farming areas there, how their temperatures are actually going up so much now. I think it's beyond the 1.5, mm. uh, almost closer to two degrees. And so how their farming is changing and their access to water mm. is so there changing. there is no water yeah. there. <laughs> Los Angeles is of, absolutely awful. Uh, I've never been there, but I was just reading about it and I thought, yo, how our lives are changing. But like you say, maybe Earth Hour is time where you just go and contemplate, turn your brain on mm. and go and contemplate. Maybe just go and lie it on the grass. You know, in your Stare garden, if you have, or if it's not raining, yeah. It was, <laughs> well, it was interesting for me. Is I think a few days ago, it was a really miserable day, but then in the evening, all of a sudden, the clouds disappeared, and I went for a moonlit walk, and I was like, "Wow, look at all those beautiful stars!" Mm. You kind of had forgotten what they looked like, and it was a full moon. And I think it's time to just step out of the. Interiors that we have created mm. and look to the environment and see what we can learn from it, what we can appreciate from it. You know, when last did you walk barefoot? Either, and it doesn't have to be in your garden. Maybe you don't have a garden, but even just barefoot in your home yeah. to feel the dex- oh, different textures. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I walk so, in and my shoes fly. <laughs> so I think it's just little things like that. You know, have you ever watched a bee trying to get pollen from a flower? That you obviously can't do at night, but maybe at night you're going to be watching the moths around your lights that are now turned off. I don't off. like moths. They really? Fl- no, they fly like they're broken. Don't like them. Oh, well, I was going to say, we were actually identifying butterflies on our mm. holiday. And then one evening we saw, and now we had to try and identify if it was a moth or a butterfly, because they, when they rest, the butterflies leave their wings open, whereas a moth will never open their, their wings, wings fully. <laughs> yes. And then they fly. <laughs> And you can never catch them off because they're flying like there's no discernible pattern to what they're doing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it very was, bizarre. It's just uh, so interesting to actually take time out and look for the little things mm. that the environment might be showing you. It's the same and, as like when you go scuba diving. Everybody wants to go and see the turtles and the rays and the mores and whatever. And I'm like the person who's hanging on 
in the water and just checking out the fan worms and nudie banks. So I'm very into looking at all the little stuff. And, and that's, I mean, it is, it's about switching on. We have become very closed off in our way of thinking as well over the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's time now that, you know, things are opening up again that maybe we need to start opening our brains up as well, opening yeah. our minds up and, and yeah. going out there and thinking, oh, it's not just about me and how my life has been so impacted upon, et cetera, et cetera. It's yeah. go out there and have a look and see what, you know, you can do that will actually be better for the rest of the world. And I think that was one thing about, I mean, all those stories that came through when we were, the whole world was in lockdown mm. is how nature started coming back into its own again because yes. less pollution, all of we could all breathe again. Yeah, it's just not <laughs> happening at the moment. Good Lord. Yeah. So but if you go back into those times, it, it could be something as simple as, you know, now is a lovely time for planting. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're planting a small veggie garden for yourself, planting up a container. It's a nice time to plant a plant. They might not always look fantastic going into winter, but, you know, their roots get to settle. Mm. Plant they a get, tree. Plant a tree. Anything like that is just go and look and see what you can plant. And if you don't have an area to plant in, maybe you could plant something at your local school or in your local park. Okay, or- but you must be careful about – this is something that I've got into discussions with Andrew Hankey. Oh, okay, okay. cool. Um, about grasslands because, you know, we're very passionate <gasps> oh, about yes, the grasslands. Yes, yeah. So it, was, it, it all came <laughs> off the back of seeing something, a lovely um, video which I found on Facebook about it's great – planting trees but plant them where they're going to actually do some yes. good you can't just go and plant willy-nilly trees in the middle of a grassland because we yeah. are here up on the high felt an endangered yes. grassland biome okay so we need to be careful of it so what i've been doing is whenever it's anybody's birthday or if there's a special occasion yeah the people get a plant a tree planted for them down in a previously forested area where they've lost a lot of the trees yeah. through green pop but there are lots oh, of organizations wow. that will do this for you, but they go and they plant the trees in a place where the trees need to be planted, yes. not just wherever. Yeah. So it's it's great thinking, okay, I've found a spot. I'm going to go and plant a tree there. Please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a garden, go and find out where you can plant a tree where it's going to do some good. Yes, I agree. Or don't have to always plant trees. It could be that you could be planting some grasses. You know, there's lovely grass seeds that you can sow yes. in areas that look a little bit derelict. Or at this time of the year, one of my favorite and, um, is to plant the Namaquilan daisies. And we used to make Namaquilan daisy balls yes. when you mix them up with the with mud. mud. <laughs> and then toss and them then over the just, wall. Yes. Yeah. And then you just throw them into abandoned places. And you know, in three months time, that abandoned place is going to be full of yellow and orange and pink blossoms. Yes. So, I mean, I think that's the sort of thing you could be doing is it doesn't always have to be a tree. I think we've got so in our mindset that you have to plant trees, but grasslands are great at carbon sequestration. So, mm. you know, we mustn't think that only trees are going to be good for our environment. It's actually the biodiversity that will promote our environment and help us all be better for the, you know, look after our yeah, and I know way we going t- forward. And we do talk about the high felt quite a lot, mm. but I mean, they're trying to get that kind of um, indigenous planting and stuff that was here in the area, in the wilds again which is yes. wonderful. So the, the people who are putting the wilds together, big ups to them, that it's a wonderful place to go walking. Everybody's like, oh, is it safe? Yes, it is yeah. totally. It's a wonderful thing to do. But so, uh, yeah, so go and get green. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing that, I mean, and we speak about it a lot, but Life as a Garden gave us quite a nice option for it was to do with the different mulching. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you've, once you've planted and 
you know, that for me, it's so frustrating because I'm not a big fan of weeds and I know they're just plants in unwanted places. So for some people, the weeds will be interesting, but I always put a lot of mulch down. I like to use bark chip as mulch. I've tried using the macadamia nuts as well sometimes and the peach pips. They're not very comfortable to walk no, on. No, they're terrible to walk on. <laughs> and then yeah. when you're trying to plant new plants, then your hands get, um, I don't like wearing gloves. They get a little bit frustrated, but you know, so I do like using mulch, but then they spoke a lot about living mulches. And I think that's really important as well, like under your roses and things like that. Look for different plants that you could plant under them that maybe could be companions. Mm. But I think a mulch is a very important thing. One is going to cool your soils down, protect your roots, stops the weeds. I mean, the list is endless of yeah. how important mulching could be. And when I just see this barren ground in some places I think oh "Oh, my goodness gracious me I just want to cry just put a nice thick layer of compost down on top if nothing else yes or even newspaper if you don't like you're not too worried about (laughs) how it looks (laughs) but put something down you need to do that the earth becomes so depleted if you don't have something on top of it which is holding it in place for me putting plants underneath is the best way to go I just love having like ground covers and I'm even using my echeveria underneath my roses Oh, beautiful. Because they don't use up too much water. They don't go for the root competition. So yes. if you've got roses, I don't have very many roses. I only have a few. But one <laughs> should always have a rose because it's it's the most important herb to keep the bugs off your other herbs. So it's a sacrificial rose. A sacrificial rose, yes. <laughs> I have one of those as well. Yes. Just one. Just one. <laughs> you've got to have one. But like that, when we, if you could do go back to like biomimicry, mm. the mulching where we were walking in the forests, so there you can see how the environment naturally creates mulch for itself from dropping its leaves and mm. the needles and those sort of things. And I was like, oh, you see, even the environment naturally puts down a mulch. We should be copying it and learning from it. But I mean, if you think so, about like in the Namakoland or the Richtersfeld, yeah. all that quartz stone works as a mulch. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, pebbles and stones as well are fantastic mm. to use as mulch. And I think everything has a place because when I first thought about it, I was like, oh, I can't use pebbles or stones anywhere in my garden. But I have a little bit of a runoff area where I can't plant anything. I think it's just too harsh. And so I've had to put pebbles or stones. Mm. And they work really, really well as also slowing the water. You know, with all this rain that we've been having, you need to try and slow the water so it goes back into our groundwater tables and doesn't end up in the roads, then in the gullies and all our topsoil ends up and then in running the river. Into, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, so if we can try and slow it down, and that's what mulching does as well, it slows down the runoff into so the areas. So people mulch, that's Absolutely. it. And autumn, of course, is the best time to actually start making your own mulch because instead of raking up all the leaves and throwing them in the bin, <laughs> go and put them into bags, put a couple, you know, big black plastic bags, okay, put a couple of air holes in the plastic bags, yeah. leave them there until we get really cool temperatures and what t- which time they will have kind of mulched down a bit mm-hmm. and then you put those into your garden beds like a nice blanket. Oh, sounds excellent. Then you don't have to add to landfills. I mean, you don't have to go and make big compost heaps. You can just put these into bags, leave them there for a little while, stop being so tidy. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy. Anyway, let's talk about plants. <laughs> okay. So we onto that. We've done the grasses. It's that lovely time of year to start planting. And uh, for me, I'm going to say those not so nice tasting vegetables. <laughs> All the broccolis. Your <gasps> the cru- best tasting vegetables. Your crucifers. What's crucif- crucifers? That's yeah. it. <laughs> those words. Yeah, oh, no, they're the so best. Go into your garden centers and try and look for something that's 
tasty <laughs> with something else covered in chocolate that is good for you. You know, the green vegetables, it's a really lovely time to start planting them now. I love cruciferous vegetables. Oh, so they're my favorites. I like the crunchiness of them. Maybe not the taste. <laughs> Are you telling me you don't like Brussels sprouts? <gasps> no. Unless the it's best. smothered in bacon and cheese. <laughs> no, the best way to have them is just lightly boiled in salted water and then you squeeze lemon and black pepper and salt over them and <laughs> eat it just like that with some butter. Oh, oh dear. That is the best. There's nothing like it. They're little packages of joy. Come on. <laughs> I think of the sun as a little package of a huge package of joy. <laughs> Certainly not Brussels sprouts. But I like the idea of growing them. So, mm. you know, and um, it's always spinach is all year round, but mm. the spinach is doing well. All your leafy greens, you know, radishes is also quite a cool time to do now. I do like, I like crunchy veggies. So I like the radishes and celery. There's just I love a- celery. I'm growing my celery. Whenever I buy a thing of celery, then I always keep the bottoms and I grow them and then I go and plant them in the garden. You see? so it, it grows it just, again. Yeah. So I think there's, it goes back to your green is a color. This time of the year is planting green vegetables. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so anything that's green is going to do exceptionally well. You know, all your colorful vegetables are not going to do really well. It's the end of the season for tomatoes. You should be harvesting them. Yeah. The um, Your squashes and your marrows and all of those, those should be harvested now. And you should Although be saying goodbye to them. Although a lot of into their own. Yes, those are very, but you can't plant now. It's no, too you can't late plant to plant. Now. No, it's time but for you, full harvesting. Yes, yeah. but harvest those, your eggplants, you should be harvesting. Mm. So, you know, it's that seasonal change for your garden. Mm. And then, um, if we've finished with the veggies, enough about that. Let's go back to color. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all your seedlings. So we always talk about the four P's of winter, but it's still too early for those as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the summer annuals are still looking so good. <gasps> beautiful, beautiful. You don't want to be pulling those out. And, and I mean, it's just too, it's too warm still. Yeah. In the so, same way that you wouldn't be planting out your winter bulbs, no. you're not going to plant out your winter annuals yet either. No. So I think it's just if you're thinking of planning, you know, we were mm. saying earlier how gardening is all about planning and patience. I think lots of peas come out of that plant. That's where the peas are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe you can start planning but and preparing. Oh, goodness. Another we are pea. full of peas. <laughs> but um, just, yeah, do and that instead. And be polite to your plants too. <laughs> Talk to them <laughs> <Absolutely>. nicely. <laughs> so I think that's what we should be looking at is just planning what you're going to do mm. when it comes to middle of autumn and that type of thing but really not too early now yeah yeah way too early mm. but um, I was thinking about a lot of people didn't know and, and and my kids are like sitting there looking at me growing another celery plant from the bulb the bottom <laughs> part of the celery which has been eaten and I thought you know kids they they need to learn more about these and that's what I like yeah. about life as a gardener is they have so many things that you can actually get kids involved in doing little experiments which help them with their way of thinking about nature and about plants yeah. as well as indulging their curiosity and I think that a lot of children because they've got like these things that they stare at all the time they've lost a lot of their curiosity about the outside world yes. so of course putting all of these things up on the website about what you can do with your child in the garden is like yes. such a fantastic idea so what is this month's one. Oh, so this one I think is awesome. It's to do with transpiration, which is quite a difficult concept for kids to understand because it's breathing. You know, breathing. And <laughs> <laughs> but you don't sometimes think that plants breathe. I think some people even forget that plants are actually living. You know, they buy them and then they don't realize that maybe they need water and food. And then we get taught at school that plants produce their own food. So it's a little bit of a strange concept. But the thing is, is that everybody also thinks that plants breathe through their leaves, but they actually breathe through their roots. 
and there's the stomata on their leaves on their as leaves, well. Yeah, but that's yeah, mainly so for getting out the water vapor, water vapor, and and, and carbon dioxide. I mean, oxygen. Yes, yes. Oxygen. So, except at night when it becomes carbon dioxide. Yeah. So there's a lovely experiment to do with transpiration, and what I like the best is that it described it as plants sweating. You know, you put a little plastic bag over a leaf and then you see what happens and you'll see that the water vapor comes from the plants. So I thought that was a really cool idea. And the idea of a plant sweating seems so foreign, but it kind of sticks in your brain. So then I think, well, kids will learn from that and then they'll see transpiration and plant sweating and understand how through transpiration, the water is moving from the roots of the plants up to the leaves Mm. and how water from a plant becomes part of our water cycle in the greater scheme of things as well. So, you know, especially in areas like we were talking with lots of trees and reforesting, there you're going to have a a much higher water content in your environment because of all the plants. And I think those benefits we forget about sometimes. You know, you think that, you know, plants only use water, but actually plants also give us water in the environment. So that's what the experiment for the kids is teaching in Life Mm -hmm. as a Garden this month. And I just think that's great. There's an interesting thing that I read the other day about how much water in each household is, I think it's like 48% of all the water that's used by a household goes into the garden. No way. Yeah. In 70, over 70% of households. Yeah. Close on half of the water which is used by that household every single month is for watering the garden. No. Yep. But then you should be using your grey water. You should be it's using grey water. And we shouldn't water. be using potable water. We should be using exactly. some type of other water. But then we're, <gasps> we're a society that wash, uh, cleans our toilets with uh, potable water as well. You know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. No wonder the local governments just asked us to analyze what the nursery industry and the garden centers are doing in terms of water recycling. Yeah and how we use our water within the nurseries. So we've actually just had to give them a report this last week on that. That's what people can do for their Earth Hour. Sit down and think about how you're going to be much more green in your garden when it comes to water usage as well. Yes. But I mean, with the summer that we've just had, I don't think I've had to water my garden I want to say since September, October. I haven't. I never water my garden, even yeah. in winter. Well, <laughs> Except I, my pot plants. My pot plants will get water. That's it. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm used to it walking down the stairs and taking my buckets of my grey water from the bath mm. and the shower out. Mm. And I haven't even got the exercise doing that anymore. No. <laughs> I'm thinking. You haven't had to you know, water at all. Yeah. So they shouldn't. It does freak me out a little bit when I'm walking and then I hear the sprinklers are on and we've just had a little bit of rain, and I'm thinking, why? Why is your sprinkler on? Oh, and the people you know, washing you, their driveways with a hose pipe. Are you not oh. aware that we actually are a water-scarce country and we should be looking water? It should be ingrained in us. Mm. It, it shouldn't be something that we get told we have to have water restrictions. We should be able to say, actually, we look after our water all the time, mm. not just when we're under pressure. Yeah. And um, hopefully it will evolve to that. Maybe, as you say, the Earth Hour is sometime where we – we re- reflect on how we can we look after our water. But now talking about water, you, you were mentioning earlier to me about something on Life as a Garden called Rain Gardens, and you didn't <gasps> yeah. know what a rain garden was. Okay, so explain for those people who are also not au fait with what a rain garden is, what it is. It's not just putting a pot in your garden and letting it catch rain water and then putting some like water lilies full of in plants. It. Yeah. Yes, that's what I did. I thought that was a rain garden. But actually a rain garden is a way of you catching the water to create a garden. So it's putting finding a space in your garden where you see you have a lot of water runoff mm-hmm. and how do you slow that water runoff down by putting in you know river sand and compost and potting soil to slow it down and then but not only planting water loving plants putting maybe bog plants or xanthidaceae you know plants that might enjoy water 
to yes. actually just look beautiful, but it's a space where there is a lot of water that collects. It's yes. basically a water collection point in your garden. And um, Life as a Garden gave you such wonderful ideas. I was reading this and thinking, where in my garden can I create an actual rain garden rather than just having my pot with a water lily in it <laughs> under my gutter, which I thought was my collection of rainwater in the garden. So I think, you know, if you go and read their newsletter or onto the website, then you can see it was just incredible because we have all this rain and are we actually using it to benefit our garden apart from watering it? Are we making our garden look beautiful because of the rain by using the rainwater in the right places in our garden and putting in the soil and the plants that match it. Well, my garden, my whole back garden would just be actually one big rain garden because, I mean, I, I did a video of it <laughs> during one of the stores. Sent it to my friend. She says, hmm, your swimming pool's coming on quite nicely. <laughs> so, I mean, my whole, literally my whole back garden because I take all the storm water from the neighbors and yeah. things like that. But I'm fine because it doesn't actually go down to my next door neighbor as well because it just sinks the way I've that's put it up. Supposed it sinks to be. into my garden and yeah. that's why I don't have to water, which is great. So you have to find a space in your garden and test it almost that when you put a bucket of water down there, it seeps through and doesn't run off anywhere else. But within 24 hours, 48 hours, it's actually disappeared. Mm. And that's, again, how you're putting water back into your ground table. Uh, ground table. Water table. Water table. Sorry. <laughs> the ground Thinking water table. To going forwards. <laughs> but, yeah, so it is finding that space within your garden where you could do that. And... I just thought it was great. I love the idea of different gardens within your garden. Well, while you're about so. doing, seeing as we're going to be walking outside at 8.30 on the 26th of March yes. for Earth Hour, maybe you should think about putting in a moon garden. <gasps> I love the idea of a moon garden because that it's normally to do with all your white flowers. And scented flowers that yes. make really great scent at night. So it's actually to use your senses within your garden because you don't really have well, you do have the white flowers, but you don't really have your scent of sight. Mm. So what do you appreciate in your, in your garden at that time? And, ah, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I can feel that I'm going to be planting a little bit of a moon garden as well. Lighting, yeah. lighting as well. Getting the right lighting, fairy lights, yeah. if you love them. I'm like a fairy light fanatic. But oh. getting the right lighting for the right mood for mm. a moon garden. And, you know, we can make gardens that we can use all year round here in South Africa as well. Yes. Especially, I mean, I know it gets cold, but if you've got a little fire pit outside, if you're going to be sitting outside and you want to hang out with your mates instead of yeah. like hunkering down in the bunkers of the lounge <laughs> during winter, then put some thought into even having just some plants that have got white foliage um, yes. or strips on the edges where you can see them at night being picked up by the think lights. Of, even your um, hen and chicken, for instance, yes, will have that the variegated one. Yeah, And I mean variegation, oh, my favorite. I love variegated plants. There's so many different ones that you can find. But even some of your grasses that you could think of that would have a variegation, some of your um, formiums, you know, yeah, they might not be white, but they would be uh, that slightly yellow. So your two-toned type of foliage mm. in the garden but then also your white flowering plants you know i mean if you have your star jasmines in mm. um, and i mean at this time of the year your impatience with the white ones they've almost got that hue of glistening mm. in the evenings you know especially Petunias. with the rain and, yeah. but you have become like an all-year-round plant haven't they yeah they're Petunias definitely doing really well yeah yeah and it's a lovely time to plant petunias and calibrocha now you know they will like the dryness of the winter mm. and they'll just perform so nicely in the warmth of the winter sun, mm. you know, so um, it's not one of my favorite plants, but they do exceptionally well going into a winter time. 
for so. them. I hope you've given you lots of food for thought, apart from just <laughs> yeah. the food of the vegetable garden, which Carrie doesn't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we find on Life is a Garden? I mean, obviously um, online you've got uh, oh. lifeisagarden.co.za, so you can yes. go and check it all out there. And we must talk about fertilizers. You know, it's getting to that time where you kind of want to feed your garden to get it prepared for winter. It's almost like all the animals would be harvesting and collecting for winter. So that's what you want to be doing is feeding, whether it be your lawns, your flower beds, mm. you know, your citrus, your camellias, your azaleas. There's a lot of plants that actually just need that little boost now so that come springtime, they're going to perform yeah, amazingly store, for you. They can still, before they go into the dormancy, they yes. can suck up all that goodness and yes. store it in time for spring again. Yeah, We're already so. thinking forward to spring at this stage, or some of us are anyway. <laughs> We're just going to bypass winter completely. Oh, I think I'll just hunker down like the squirrels and go and sleep for the winter. I can't stand it. Maybe I'll just have to go somewhere else in the world for, for the whole time. Yeah, some, I hear that France is nice at this time of year. Oh, and you know, I don't know how many people I know who are going to Mauritius. I saw even Safir had a, a special. Yeah. That was like 200 rand on this day you can fly to Mauritius. I was like, 200 rand for a flight? That's yeah, amazing. I just want to fly there and back straight away. <laughs> Although at this time of the year as well, it's I think it's cheaper to go to Phuket for a week or, t- or 10 days than it is wow. to go to Mauritius. So, oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, you just need to have so. your passport sorted, of course. <laughs> yeah. Must get that sorted out. All right, so don't forget, okay. of course, you can get onto lifeisagarden.co.za for all of these ideas and more. Yes, absolutely. Things that are, are happening in the gardening world. Yeah. And thank Carrie, you. hopefully we'll catch up with you again next month. Yes, thank and you. Can very, tell us what we much. should be doing for winter. <laughs> that dreaded word. <laughs> yeah, the word I do not like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you so very much. Thank you for Listen, having me. Please don't forget 26th of March. Get out there, do something for the earth instead of just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, go and do something for yourself by doing something for the earth. Absolutely. Above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.